Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Merry Christmas. You know, uh, when I was growing up, every Christmas play or whatever, baby Jesus was a real baby until that one time that Joseph dropped baby Jesus, and then we started using baby dolls. So today, my whole objective is not to drop baby Lucy Jesus, all right? So, no, I I remember, Corey and I, we have four kids, and I remember when Cooper, our oldest, was born, my mom bought us this brown, like, glider, rocking chair type thing, and not as often as Corey, I'm sure, but I would sit in that chair and I would rock Cooper. And I remember that some of those times I was helping to feed him and some of those times I was rocking him to sleep and some of those times I was singing little songs that my mom and dad had sung over me and sometimes I was telling jokes that they still don't think are funny and you know, I was declaring the goodness of God and the promises of God. You're going to grow up and be something great one day and I remember then Branson was born, and I would use that same chair, and I would rock him and feed him and rock him to sleep and declare the promises of God over his life and sing and just, you know, just hold him. I remember when Tucker was born, I'd use that same chair, and I would rock him and sing to him and feed him and rock him to sleep and just declare the promises of God over his life. And then little Miss Kinley was born, and I used that same chair, rock her and sing to her and feed her and rock her to sleep and just declare the promises of God over her life. We still have that chair. It now sits in the corner of my bedroom, not in the nursery. And I use that chair sometimes to sit and to write sermons and to read. And it's a great chair. But, you know, my kids have gotten older and they don't really like me to hold them and rock them anymore. And it'd be a little bit weird if we kept doing that at a certain age. I mean, I don't know what that age that's inappropriate to rock your children anymore. But, I mean, somewhere around 17 or 18, you got to stop, right? I mean... (laughs) But I I just remember holding my children and thinking about how tiny they were. Like this little girl here, she's 12 days old. I held her in both services Friday night when she was only 10 days old. I feel like she's gotten huge since then, (laughs) right? But I mean 12 days old, they're so little. But you know what's not little? All the stuff that comes with little babies, right? They've got carriers and car seats and diaper bags with lots and lots and lots and lots and not enough diapers and baby wipes and they've got teething rings and they've got colorful toys and they've got sound making toys and light up toys and you've got all these different things that go along with the baby and it's not the little baby that's sometimes overwhelming it's all the other stuff and of all the things that God could have chosen to use to tell us the Christmas story and to declare his love for us, he chose the form of a baby. He could have chosen anything. He could have chosen a king with a crown on his head to show his might and his power. Instead, he chose a baby. And I don't know if choosing that baby was so that you and I could see ourselves holding the child and carrying the child and recognizing the size in comparison to who we are so that we would understand in our hearts and in our minds that we do have the ability to maybe carry Jesus with us wherever we go 
But sometimes it's that other stuff that comes along with the baby that seems a little overwhelming to us. But just in case you haven't met her, this is baby Lucy Noel Mallow. Her dad was up here leading worship. Her mom's been leading worship this weekend as well. And she is sweet. I'm not going to try to hold her the entire sermon because I'm sure that I would drop baby Lucy Jesus. So I'm not going to do that today. She's got one more service. She's done amazing in the first three. I'm kind of the baby whisperer. It's really the only reason Corey kept me around, honestly. No, when I, when I think about babies and I think about Christmas, I'm astounded that that's the form that God chose to take to prove his love to us. Again, just think about all the other things God could have done. Now, I don't want to get too deep in the theology here, so this is not to twist scripture. It's just to imagine if God was trying to decide how to show us his love and how to declare this incredible story to us, it could have... It could have taken the form of an angel. It could have taken the form of a big, giant, strong man. It could have taken the form of anything, and yet it was a baby. But in my life, and I'll just indict myself, I won't indict you, other than at Christmas, I don't usually think of Jesus as a baby. I mean, that one month of the year, give or take, and some of you have been celebrating Christmas since about mid-fall, but other than those people, for me, once we start turning to the Christmas season, you know, I think about baby Jesus. But really about the other 11 months of the year, I think about Jesus as the bearded man in the white robe or with the sandals walking with a group of men through the desert. Or I think about perhaps the picture that I've seen, the depiction of Jesus at the cross, hanging there, dying for our sins. Or maybe I think about the pictures that I've seen of him standing just outside of his resurrected tomb, declaring to the followers that had come to the tomb that he was risen Indeed, but at Christmas, I think about baby Jesus. And when I think about baby Jesus, it really does change how I understand and what I understand about God. And my hope is that today, while we could go a lot of different places to look at the Christmas story, that we keep in mind this picture of baby Jesus for just a few minutes. And we recognize that while baby Jesus started as a baby in a manger, he didn't stay there. But he truly did start there, and that's the way that God intended it. You know, I said just a second ago, I could go a lot of different places to tell the Christmas story. There are several places in the Gospels, other places within Scripture that really point us to this Christmas story. But I thought that today we could start in Matthew chapter 1. It's the first chapter of the first book of the New Testament. If you've got a Bible or a device and you want to follow along, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 1 today. The scriptures will be up on the screen in just a moment, but this is that place where we find the genealogy of Jesus Christ. We find who came before Jesus, and we kind of track the story all the way to Jesus through the lineage and the heritage of the family tree of Jesus. And then we come to verse 18, and we find this story of an interaction with Joseph, his earthly father, and the way that he receives the news and how he was going to respond. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, the great differentiation between Christianity and the other religions and faiths of the world is that we are not required to spend our life exhausting ourselves to try to find some way to cross that gap that divides us from the deity or the figurehead of our religion. Other religions, you have to be good enough, you have to do certain things, you have to check some things off, check, the, uh, check them off the list, check the boxes. But in Christianity, it's the complete opposite because God himself chose to come and pursue us. He chose to, to cross over the divide that existed so that we could not get to him ourselves. And he came through the person of Jesus so that we would have access to him. It is the differentiation between us Christianity, and all of the other religions of the world. In fact, one of my favorite ways that this is depicted is in John chapter 1. It's one of the other gospels of the New Testament. And depending on the translation that you're reading, it talks about the Word becoming flesh. The Word here is the idea that this is who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Word there is capital W. It's referring to who Jesus is and who Jesus was. And we come all the way down to verse 14 of John chapter 1, and it says that the Word became flesh, right? In the message translation, it says the Word put on skin and moved into the neighborhood. He came... To us, Jesus himself took on human form and he came and engaged us. He came to where we are. He moved into our neighborhood. We don't have to exhaust ourselves trying to get to him. He made himself available to us. And so for so many of us, while we feel like there is a heavy weight in pursuing God, a heavy weight to being good enough, he says, no, 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 I've already done everything that is necessary for you to be right with me. Just accept me. I'm right down the street. That's the difference of Christianity and every other world religion. You know, I, I, uh, I love this idea of Emmanuel, God with us, but as I was preparing for this weekend, I was reminded of a story. I already talked about my kids a little bit, and I'm sure I'll reference them a couple more times, but when Cooper, our first, was first born, you know, there's a lot that's happening in those early days after the birth of your first child. You're, you're really trying to learn a whole new rhythm. You thought you were prepared and you realized quickly you had no idea what you were talking about. And you were so stupid to give parenting advice to other people before you had your own. And maybe that was just me. I'm not really sure. But I, I was an expert in parenting until we had kids. And so we had Cooper. And, you know, I say we had Cooper. I was there. I was present. I was very involved. But we had Cooper. And so after that, you know, there's this just exhaustion that you can't describe that comes in those first few days and weeks. Like there's just, you're just tired all the time. I mean, I was exhausted from every night, every few hours having to wake up and wake Corey up and tell her to feed Cooper. I just, it was exhausting to me, right? I mean, unbelievable, right? So I decided I want to be husband of the year. And so a few weeks into Cooper's life, I decided, Corey, I want to give you a break. I'll take Cooper with me. It'll be a little male bonding time. We'll go to the store. It'll be awesome. He'll have a blast. I'll have a blast. You get some sleep. 
And so she said, well, okay, that's great. I'll do that. And so I took Cooper and his carrier and the 1,100 bags I had to take with me to make that happen. And I put him in the back seat of my car and I got into the car and I started driving to the store. Well, in my car, what I used to do every single time I was in the car on the way to anywhere that I don't do anymore was I would listen to sports talk radio. Now, I don't do that anymore because I have not figured out how to listen to sports talk radio and stay saved. I just can't, I don't know how to do it. It's, it's impossible for me because the longer that I listen to these people on the radio, the more I realize I'm smarter than them. And it makes me angry to listen to people on the radio that are that dumb. Like, as they're talking about their teams and their, their players and all the things, that I'm just like, you are so stupid. And I used to, I don't anymore, but I used, just a couple weeks ago, I changed this, but I used to have Sports Talk Radio's phone number programmed as a contact in my phone so that if I needed to correct them about the errors of what they were talking about, I could just punch one number while driving down the road, say, hey, Siri, call, and I would name the radio station, and she would call, and I would say, hey, this is Skeeter again, I want to talk to you. Like, I just would... I don't know where Skeeter came from. I said that in the second service Friday night, and I'm not really sure. I, only two times that I ever call myself Skeeter, but it stuck a little bit. And so I would call in. And so I was in the car that day with Cooper in the back seat, and I was getting angry at Sports Talk Radio. I don't even remember what they were talking about, but I remember getting angry. There was something like soul deep that was bothering me as I listened to them. And so we got to the store, and I turned the radio off. I turned the car off. I got out of the car. I locked the doors and started walking into the store. <laughs> Some of you know why that's not a good thing, because my newborn son was in the back seat. Now, I didn't even get into the store. So those of you that are calling child services right now, I didn't even make it to the store. I just made it like halfway across the parking lot. But before I got there, I realized, oh, something's not right. I'm now a father. <laughs> And I have a son with me, and he's in the, and I turned around and sprinted back to the car as fast as I possibly could. And I unlocked the car, and I looked down, and he was still asleep. He didn't have a clue. It had only been like 20 or 30 seconds. And so I unlocked the car, and I was like, buddy, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I still think he holds a little bit of a grudge. But I was like, I will never, ever, ever, ever do this to you ever again. I did one other time, but that's another story. But I was like, I promise you, I will never, ever. And I picked him up. I took him out of his carrier, and I held him like this as I walked through the store. People probably thought I kidnapped him. Like, I'm just holding him. I'm like, buddy, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I will never, I'm so. But it occurs to me that Cooper had entered my world. Cooper came to be with us. And yet in that moment, because of my distraction, it was easy for me to leave him behind. And my fear is that as we follow after Jesus, as we enter into relationship with Emmanuel, God with us, he did everything necessary to come to be with us. And through distraction or other priorities or just choosing to do so intentionally, we don't want to be with him. And so we leave him behind. And the question for me in this Christmas season is where have I tried to go without taking God with me? Where are those places in my life that it's easy for me to leave him behind. And I go, no, 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 you are in my life on Sunday mornings, maybe on Wednesday nights. You are in my life around the holiday season, and you've come to be with me, but only when it's convenient for me. So those other times, I'm just going to leave you in the car, Jesus. 
I'm just going to leave you at church, Jesus. I'm just going to leave you at home, Jesus. I'm just going to leave you over there where I store my Bible or when I close that app that I've hidden in a certain folder that's way off the home screen. I'm just going to leave you over there because I know you came to be with me. But in this moment, I'm choosing not to be with you. And yet, Emmanuel, God with us, says to me that God gave Jesus to us. In the form of a baby so that it would indicate to us that we were intended to carry him wherever we go. Wherever we go. Now there's more happening here in Matthew chapter 1 than just what we've read. It's, it's more than just an angel talking to Joseph. It's more than just Joseph deciding not to divorce Mary as he tries to wrestle with what it is that's happened here and how he's trying to understand it. In verses 22 and 23 of what we already read it said this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. What we read here is that all of this, all that had been discussed with Joseph, all that had taken place and all that would take place, was actually a fulfillment of what God had already spoken to the prophet. Now, when you read the prophet, there are multiple prophets, especially there in the Old Testament, that we're reading about. As we read through the Old Testament, we have the writings of Moses. We have the story of the children of Israel and the, the, the period of the judges and the kings. And then we come to the major and minor prophets, those books that are about the prophetic word of God to speak to and through his children. And Isaiah is one of those major prophets. Isaiah is a popular prophet as it relates to New Testament writings when they refer to Old Testament prophecy. And about half of the prophecies that we read in the New Testament come from the book of Isaiah. And more than half of the messianic prophecies, those are the prophecies we talked about a few, years, a few weeks ago, that are the prophecies that are specifically dealing with the Messiah, who Jesus is and who Jesus would be. More than half of the messianic prophecies quoted from the Old Testament come from the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet, and just to set the stage here, as Matthew chapter 1 is telling us, this, all that was happening was to fulfill the words that had been spoken to the prophet. Well, in Isaiah chapter 7, what's happening here is that King Ahaz, who is the king of the children of Israel at this time in the history of Israel, he is recognizing that their enemies are about to attack them. Some of their enemies have partnered together, joined together, and they're going to come against them. And Ahaz is scared. He, he's actually pretty terrified that if the enemies come, they're going to be bigger than him. They're going to be stronger than him. They're going to be more skilled than him. And so they are for sure going to win this battle if they go into battle. And so Ahaz is talking to the prophet Isaiah. And he says, this is what's happening. This is what the enemies are declaring. This is what the enemies are saying to us. And man, we're scared and we're running like crazy. We just know we're going to be defeated. And Isaiah says, listen, you've got nothing to worry about. What you're afraid of is not going to happen. The enemies of God will not prevail. And if you don't think I'm telling you the truth as the prophet of God, then I would just encourage you, just ask God to give you a sign that what I'm saying is true. And Ahaz says, no. I'm not going to test God and ask him to give me a sign as if I deserve a sign. I'm not going to do that. And Isaiah says to him there in verses 12 and 13, he says, well, listen, if you won't have the boldness and the courage to seek from God confirmation that I'm declaring the words of God, then let me tell you something. And this is what he says in verse 14 of Isaiah chapter 7. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. So all the way back in Isaiah, there is this prophecy 
that the fulfillment of that prophecy is declared in Matthew chapter 1. But as we read this and we understand the context that Ahaz was trying to figure out, are the enemies right in front of me going to win the battle when they come against me? And when Isaiah says, no, 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 listen, here's what you need to know as a sign that what I'm telling you is true, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. But that prophecy would not be fulfilled for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later in Matthew chapter 1. So what happened in the battle that was to come? Well, in other battles throughout the history of the children of Israel from Isaiah chapter 7 to Matthew chapter 1, there were times that they lost. There were times that they were overwhelmed. There were times of struggle. There were times of defeat. Even in the days of Jesus, when he was born, he was born into a culture where his own people were under the rule of someone else. They were under the rule of Rome. But the declaration here of Isaiah chapter 7 is that in the end, the ultimate final decision here, the final part of the story is that the enemies of God will not ultimately prevail. And you can know that because the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. When God comes to us, it will be a sign that he has chosen to engage the story in such a way that ultimately we will find the victory that we seek. Now, here's the problem for us as we read that today. In 2018, we have been convinced in our culture that we are the center of the universe. We're the star of every show. We're the star of every story. Every narrative is written about us. Every detail of the world is filtered through how does this affect me? Well, I hate to burst your bubble on this Christmas weekend. And if you get mad, I'm so sorry. But the story's not about you. And it's not about me. The story has always been and will always be about God. And God has chosen in his story to include me and you as he reconciles us back to himself. I referenced earlier the idea of sin. Sin is not bad behavior. Sin is not, oh, I told a little white lie. Sin is the chasm that divides us from God. It is the separation between us and God. And those behaviors that continue to feed that chasm are just those things that do not reflect the character and nature of God. And so then we are left on one side of this great divide trying to figure out how do we get to God. And yet Christmas tells us that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call his name Emmanuel. God with us. And so when we read this story in Isaiah chapter 7, we recognize that there may be moments where we are defeated in a single battle. There may be days where we feel like the enemy is stronger than us, bigger than us. There may be moments when we're not sure how we're going to make it. But the ultimate end of the story of God is that he wins and the enemy is defeated. And if we are on God's side, then we win too. When I was a boy, they used to say it like this. In the end, we win. So if you aren't winning, it's not the end. In the end, we win. So if you aren't winning, it's not the end. And so if you find yourself today or in the next few days or the next few weeks or the next few months or maybe you enter into 2019 and you feel like you're losing right now, I would encourage you to remember that in the end, we win. And if you aren't winning, it's not the end. I told you I referenced... My kids earlier, I'm going to reference them one more time, our two oldest sons, Cooper and Branson. When they were about nine and seven, 
Well, they were out in our front driveway playing basketball one day. We had a basketball goal there in front of the garage, and so they were playing basketball. And we had the door open. It was the time of year where there was a good breeze, and it felt good. And I was just inside the front room of our house, and I was listening. And, you know, as I would walk by, I would see that they're playing. And as brothers do, they were arguing a little bit, but nothing major. And they were getting along pretty good and playing basketball against one another, and it was a pretty good day. Well, after a little while, I heard some other voices, and so my ears perked up, and so I wanted to make sure I knew who was there in the driveway with them, and as I listened, I thought, okay, well, these, these sound like some kids. They don't sound like adults, and so I was listening to the voices there, and, and I, as I listened, it, it occurred to me that the two other new voices were challenging my two sons to play basketball against them. Now, instead of one-on-one, they were going to play two-on-two, our two against their two. But the longer that I listened, the more that I recognized that the voices of these new two did not sound like nine and seven-year-olds. Like, there was some maturity in that voice that I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're nine. <laughs> there was a deepness and a richness. He probably sang bass in the choir. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I was, I feel like he traveled some miles down the road. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, who, who are these children that are challenging my children to basketball? But my boys, I'm listening, and I was pretty proud because they were like, we, okay, we'll take you on. I was like, all right, boys, you got this. All right, so I'm, I'm cheering from the front room. I'm like, let's go, boys. But as I listened pretty quickly, I recognized that the two older boys were winning pretty substantially against my two boys. And so I'm listening, and I, I'm like, I don't, I don't think it sounds fair. Like, I can't see it, but that sounded like a foul. And I don't, I don't know why my boys didn't call that foul. And like somebody should be shooting free throws right now. And so I just stepped to the doorway to kind of see what was happening. And as I stepped to the doorway, I was shocked to see that not only were their voices a little deeper, these boys were some big boys. Like they were like 14 and 12. I'm like, why would you at 14 and 12 want to play a nine and a seven-year-old in basketball? Like what's wrong with you? You're taking advantage of my sons. Like, what is the deal here? And I'm watching. And the more that I watched, I felt like I was listening to sports talk radio. I got angrier and angrier. And so I just stepped outside on the driveway. I said, all right. I don't know what's happening here, but me and my boys against the two of you. If a 14 and a 12-year-old can play a 9 and a 7-year-old, a 30-something can play y'all. Let's go. Let's go. And so I got out there, and me and my boys, we started playing. And listen, I know you can't tell now. But I am an exceptional junior high basketball player. <laughs> like exceptional, right? Some of you will get that on the way home. But I got out there and played in the driveway with my boys, and I don't want to brag. <laughs> but I got a triple-double, lots of points, lots of rebounds. Every shot that 12- or 14-year-old took, I threw it into the neighbor's yard. I was like Dikembe Mutombo, not in my house. You understand what I'm saying? I was like, where are your parents? That a 14 and a 12-year-old would come into my driveway. You tell everybody in the neighborhood, I take care of my own. You understand what I'm saying? Like, we're not going to stand for this at the Isaacs household. I don't think that lesson stuck with the neighbors. But I was trying to teach another lesson to my two boys. I will not always be able to protect you. But if I can help it, I want to step in and prove to you that I've got your back. I won't always be able to. The older you get, and we're in some of those seasons now, and I know they will continue. I've talked to some of you. Your kids are much older than mine. I recognize I won't always be able to. But at that moment in time, I did not want them to doubt that dad has got my back. Whatever that looks like, 
The older we get, whatever that feels like, I want to know that dad has got my, I was trying to tell those boys that there was something different about our relationship. I am with you. I'm on your team. I'm on your side. And I believe with all of my heart, that is one of the great truths that you could take away from Christmas. Even when you feel like you're outmatched, even when you feel like you are losing Even when you're not sure how you're going to win or if you're ever going to score a point or take new ground or take new territory, even when you feel like all hope is lost, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call his name Emmanuel. God is with you. So let me ask you this question today. How would your life be different if you really believed that God was with you? How would your life be different if you really believed that God was with you wherever you went? Every day on your job, students, when you walk into your school, in your home, how would it change the way that you talk to one another, you talk to your spouse, you talk to your children? How would it change the way that you filled out your tax return? How would it change the way that you interacted with your neighbor when their trash can dumped all their trash into your yard? Nobody else, just me. Okay, so how would it change your life if you truly believed that God was with you wherever you went? Every day, every interaction, when you feel outmanned, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel defeated, what if Christmas was a day that you could believe in every single day and believe that God was with you? Because here's the truth of Christmas. That baby was born into a manger, but he didn't stay there. Eventually, he got too big for the manger. He began to walk, and he grew up into a boy, and then he grew up into a man. And later in his life, that man was led to a cross, and he hung on that cross even though he was blameless because you and I were not. And he hung there, and he died for the forgiveness of our sins. And he made the payment necessary for us to be in right standing with God. Because even though he was born a baby, he didn't stay there. Because of Christmas, there was a cross. And because of the cross, there was hope and peace and joy that otherwise we would not have been able to experience. And so today, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're walking through, I want you to know that the Christmas story It means that God is with you always. Every day, every moment, when you're winning and when you're losing, when the enemy is picking on you, and when you don't know how you're going to make it, God is with you. And the challenge for all of us is that we choose to be with God. In just a moment, we're going to close our time, and we're going to do that with candlelight and one closing song. But before we get to that moment, I want to just offer you the opportunity of personal reflection, moment of prayer, where you can evaluate your heart, where you're at in this life. I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. If you would say to me, you know, Jeremy, for me, I've not chosen to be with God. I recognize that he wants to be with me, but I I'm not choosing to be with him. I'm not choosing to be in relationship with him. I've never asked him to be the forgiver of my sins and the Lord of my life. Or maybe I did at some point in my past, but I know that I've walked away from him. 
I've turned my back on him. And as much as it depends on me, I'm not living in relationship with him. Today, if that's you and you want to accept him as the Lord and Savior of your life, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. You can put it right down. Thank you so much. Now, if you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, it's not about salvation. Today, I just need that reminder that God is with me. I'm walking through some stuff right now, or maybe I'm anticipating walking into some stuff at the beginning of 2019. And I just need to know, I just need to be reminded that Emmanuel, God with us, is not just a Christmas story. It's an everyday reality. And if you need that reminder, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God, we love you today. And I thank you for the promise of Christmas. I thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son to the earth in the form of a baby. God, thank you for choosing a baby so that we could understand the story of your love. That, God, we were intended to carry that baby, that child, Jesus, with us wherever we go because you've chosen to be with us. And so, God, now I pray for every person that lifted their hand to accept you as the Lord and Savior of their life. God, as they acknowledge their need for you, God, you respond in a supernatural way and forgive sins, which is something that we can't do on our own. And so, God, we thank you for that. We thank you for salvation, this free gift, the greatest gift we could ever receive this Christmas. God, now I pray for every hand that was lifted for those who just need that reminder that you are with them. Whatever they're walking through, whatever they're going through right now, God, would you just gently remind them that you are with them. And the Christmas story of Emmanuel is not a story just for Christmas. It's a reality for every day. And so, God, we thank you today that we have that reminder that we know that you are with us. And whatever we're walking into and whatever we're walking through, God, we pray that we would walk with the confidence that you are with us. Let this be the best Christmas we've ever experienced in our entire life. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga. 